0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well it is good to see you here this evening and good to see familiar faces again and to see family visiting with some others and uh, as we come to this the fourth Sunday of Advent and uh, we don't have much of a fourth week of Advent this year because of Christmas coming on Tuesday but nonetheless here we are still in the waiting mode, the anticipation mode uh, of Christmas, which will be here in just two days' time. But as we wait for that moment and not be too quick to, to rush to it, as, we, as I try to emphasize throughout Advent, let us not run too quickly um, to that stable in Bethlehem, but instead to wait uh, patiently, uh, we have an opportunity this evening to reflect on Mary uh, obviously, much of what we have uh, heard, read for us tonight, and, and what we have sung, uh, talks about Mary. And this is a time of year when Mary rightly gets a lot of attention. And, and so we want to take the opportunity as well to follow the lead of the scriptures and talk about Mary when we are given the opportunity. And, and uh, it, it might be good for me to, to say at the outset, uh, I was just talking with Uh, the kneels before the service. There's a lot of variation in the Anglican world about Mary and how we are to view her. Um, I I say this truthfully and and, and not in jest at all, but I always say we we honor Mary as much as the scriptures tell us we can honor Mary and no more. And um, so tonight I hope we can honor her by looking at what the scriptures say about her and the example that she sets for us. Well, I did oral exams this week, so it was a, it was a long week of sitting uh, at, at desk listening to students, and mostly listening to students say good things, and uh, occasionally even hearing something good come out of my own mouth, but uh, breaking up that rhythm early in the week was um, an email from someone uh, who I, I really don't know well, um, but I, I quote it from a book that he had written. And I quoted too many words from it, so Baker Academic said, you need to get in touch and get permission um, to to quote this much from the book. So I I wrote uh, a retired, he's a retired sociology professor in New York City, he's an Orthodox uh, priest as well, and I wrote him and I said, you know, can I quote from this book X number of words? And he just wrote back and said, yes, please do, I'm so excited. And... uh, Anyway, and then I got a nice letter from him recently when he received a copy of the book, The Monk Hood of All Believers, as a thank you for letting me uh, quote from it, but um, this week he sent out an email, and I was on the receiving end of this email, and there was a great quotation there from the 14th century uh, Western uh, spiritual theologian, Meister Eckhart, he's known as, and, and, and I was sitting in these exams, and Yes, I even checked my mail occasionally in these exams, and I, and I saw this quotation, and it's what got the wheels really spinning for me this week. Meister Eckhart said this, just part of the quotation. What good is it to me if Mary is full of grace, if I am not also full of grace? And it was just that sentence, that question, that got me pondering and thinking this week. And I thought to myself, I'm going to preach on that. I'm going to think about what we can learn from this week's readings in light of this. Now, first of all, of course, the phrase full of grace actually doesn't come from our lessons tonight. It it does come from the song we just sang, but it's actually from uh, the Annunciation when Gabriel came to Mary. So the hymn we just sang uh, is remembering that moment in the life of Mary. And and that's Luke, uh, looking at Luke's gospel, Luke 1. Verse 28, we probably know how this begins. Greetings, O favored one. And that Greek phrase, O O favored one there, in the Latin language became gratia plena, full of grace. Right? So the Greek does have that connotation. It's just many translations don't translate it kind of full of grace. And I don't know if that's because the translations done by Protestants are a little skittish. Uh, about um, Marian kind of theology. But but in the Latin Bible, which would have been my Eckhart's Bible, the phrase is that Mary is full of grace. So greetings, you who are full of grace. And again, the, 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 the Greek captures that as well. The root of the Greek is full of grace. And so we ask ourselves, in what way is Mary the favored one? In what way is Mary full of grace? So that if I am not also full of grace, what good is it? So let me Let me start by talking about Mary, and rightly so. First, we learn from tonight's readings that Mary, or at least from the the gospel tonight, that Mary is chosen by God. And probably what I'm going to say here is not going to be new to you, that Mary is chosen by God. We know that. That's the whole reason why. Um, she is, uh, to be the mother of God is because she's been chosen by God. And so uh, we read in our, in our uh, reading from tonight that when Mary goes to Elizabeth, in the, out of Elizabeth's mouth, right, is the proclamation, uh, blessed are you among women. And so an implicit understanding on Elizabeth's part that this that Mary has been chosen by God. And of course, the, the backstory is, is when Mary shows up, and we don't know exactly what Mary said, but Elizabeth says, when I heard your greeting, the baby left within me. So John the Baptist gets excited when Mary comes in the room and says, hey, y'all because that's what she would have said, you know, being a good, a good person. She would have said, y'all, of course. And so, you know, Mary walks in the room and says something like, hello, good to see you, and John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and then Elizabeth interprets that as a sign, like, that you are blessed among women because John, my baby, uh, knew to leap. And, and then, like, in fact, um, we're told that Elizabeth has a little bit of a Pentecost here, right? Like, um, that the Spirit... Uh, moves, and so um, we know that Mary is chosen by God, and through the words of Elizabeth, we see that blessed are you among women. Second, in verse 43 from our gospel reading tonight, Elizabeth goes on to say, and why is this granted to me? Why, why do I get to have this experience because of your blessedness, right? Why does, why does my womb leap within me because of your presence? You know, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? the second thing we need to note is the mother of my Lord phrase there. Or in the words of the Council of Ephesus in the year uh, 431, I believe it is, um, they say that they gave Mary the title of Theotokos, she who bears God, the bearer of God, the God bearer, the one who is the mother of God, who gives birth to God. And so we see this already in Elizabeth's words, right? The mother of my Lord. Right, so we're also seeing that Elizabeth is quite a special woman, not just recognizing Mary's chosenness, but also understanding that Mary is carrying the Messiah. Right, that you are the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth understands that that Mary is the mother of he who is coming to fulfill the prophecies, like the one we heard from Micah tonight and and have been hearing all through Advent. Elizabeth recognizes that Mary's pregnancy is not just another pregnancy. Now, I I don't know how much Elizabeth knows about the, the miraculous nature of the pregnancy, but she knows that the baby that Mary is carrying is the Lord. And so she recognizes Mary as the mother of the Lord. And so not only do we need to recognize that Mary has been chosen by God, blessed is she among women, but that she is also the mother of the Lord, the God-bearer, she who gives birth to God. And then lastly, Elizabeth says in verse 45, she believed that there would be, or we're told that she believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Mary knows and she believes that, that what is happening is a fulfillment of what was spoken to her at the Annunciation from the Lord. So she, she understands, she has come to, uh, to understand who she is in light of this miraculous event of the Annunciation, right? She understands that she has this unique role to play in salvation history. And, and Elizabeth right, is, is giving her the credit that she deserves for understanding that in the midst of a lot of perhaps non-believers, right, like naysayers, the, the miraculous nature of this pregnancy, right, would certainly get its own amount of scorn, like, right, you're not sleeping with Joseph, but yet you're pregnant, that's interesting, you know, how did that happen? Well, funny you should ask, and then, of course, that story would be even Stranger to their ears, right? Because it's miraculous. But, but Mary believed that there would be a fulfillment of all that was spoken to her. So she's a person of deep faith, deep belief, right? In the midst of what otherwise would seem strange and unbelievable and even have uh, familial and social and cultural implications, Mary believed what Gabriel had said to her when she said, so be it according to your word. And so again, we see that Mary is chosen by God, and, and we know that, and we recognize that, but we shouldn't underestimate it, right? Chosenness is, is something special in the Bible, right? Think about it. You get 11 chapters of Genesis that have to do with creation and sin and flood and, and scattering of the people, and then in chapter 12, only 12 chapters into the Bible, we get God choosing Abram. So, this concept of choosing or election, if you will, it, it runs through the entire biblical narrative. And so perhaps it gets lost on us to think about chosenness as something special. Maybe we lose sight of the fact that as believers, we're chosen by God as well. And so we don't, we don't see ourselves as, as special in the way that we should. Special, yes, because we're all created by God, made in his image. But, but for believers, for Christians, that we are chosen by God, elected by him to be his sons, to be his daughters. And so Mary is one of them. Yeah, she's, she's chosen by God in the sense that she is she's a Jew. She's an Israelite. She's of Abram and Abraham's, des, Abraham's descendants. But yet she's chosen by God in, in this very unique and special way, right? There's only one Mary, and there ever will only be one Mary. And that she's the mother of my Lord. That's what she's been chosen to be. Not just to be uh, an Israelite, a Jew who gets to be faithful to God, not just a young woman whose obedience is an example to us, but, but her chosenness means that she gets to be the mother of God, she who bears God himself. And why is all this possible? Well, because she believes. I think that means she understands the role she's playing in this story of salvation. And so, going back to this Meister Eckhart quote, what good is it to me if Mary is full of grace? So this this Mary who is full of grace, who's been uh, favored by God, what good is it for her to be chosen to be the mother of God, to be a person of deep belief, if I am not also full of grace? Right, so it's it's taking a moment and not just reflecting on what, you know, if Jesus hadn't done what he did, if, if the word of God had not come to be incarnate for my sake, What are the implications of that? But my star card's backing it up one step and saying, but what if Mary hadn't been full of grace? What if she had not been favored by God? Right? What good is it it if I'm full of grace, if Mary wasn't full of grace? And the answer in one sense is, well, it wouldn't be worth anything because I wouldn't be saved. There would be no savior. But again, let's ask that question. In what ways are we favored ones? In what ways are we full of grace? Well, as I was Hinting out already, we too are chosen by God. The church is God's chosen people. And we are part of that, not just this congregation gathered here, not just our parish, which represents those gathered here and beyond, but part of the church, the universal church that we confess each week, that that is a body of chosen men, chosen women, chosen people of God who collectively are known as the church. It includes all those believers who are alive now, all those believers who have been alive and died in the past, all those who are yet to come, right? It's the horizontal and the vertical community of all saved people. Augustine of Hippo says this in the 5th century, The Virgin Mary is both holy and blessed, and yet the church is greater than she And what he was getting at there is because we, too, are chosen. And not just one of us, but all of us. So in one sense, he's thinking about all of the elect combined together makes the church, in that sense, greater than just Mary. But she herself is part of that community. Right? Mary is one of us. One day we will spend eternity not just with God, but with Mary. She will be present there as well. So not only is she holy and blessed herself and chosen by God, but she also, by being part of the church, is greater than just herself. She's caught up into this, this church that God has established, according to Ephesians 1, before the foundations of the world. So like Mary, we too are chosen, and I think we often forget this. Right? We often try to get our identity from uh, earthly things, if you will, earthly relationships, earthly affiliations, who we are in work or, or who we know or uh, who we hope to be, or worse, the false self that we project of who we think we are. A couple of years ago, I was asked to talk at, at Tory's graduation ceremony, and I chose to simply talk about my family, which is actually just kind of a boring story, except not to me right? Who my grandparents are, who my parents are, is very important to me, but in the grand scheme of things they're not really all that important. Though my grandfather was one of the earliest workers for Krispy Kreme Donuts, so in that sense he was a bit of, of royalty for the time, right? A company founded in the southeast and my grandfather worked for them, but but again it's not just about who we are in relationship to who our parents are, our grandparents are, it's not even about who we know, Right, I like to have a lot of fun. I mentioned to someone the other day, um, a, a particular actor's name came up. I won't tell you who it is. but And I said, oh, I was actually on a plane with him once. And they were like, really? And I, I thought, you know, as if I had bought my ticket or as, as if he had asked me to be on that flight with him. And I said, yeah, and the, and the crazy thing was Justin, Justin Bieber was also on that flight. True story. They were like, wow, right? I'll tell you who the actor was. It was Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and Justin Bieber and I were on the same plane, right? I'm important. I should be important, right? Of course I am, you know? I've also talked to a couple of actors at baggage claim at LAX because no one else will do it, and I have no boundaries, so I have talked (laughs) to Penelope Cruz at baggage claim. She did respond to me and quickly then walked off. Right? I once yelled at Danny Pudo from community, right? I really wanted his signature, actually I wanted to film he and I in baggage claim saying, Greg and Danny in the airport, for those who know community, but, he, but it was international immigration and I, I had to behave myself, I was afraid I'd get arrested, so I, you know, but like, what if I had captured myself with a picture of these people, would it change who I am? No, of course not doesn't matter that I've been on an airplane or baggage claim with these people. Actually, the fact that I could even recognize them is, is something of a miracle itself. So, but I mean, that's not who we are. But instead, we are chosen by God. It's not about who we know, who we are, who our parents are, who our friends are, who, what our jobs are, what our titles are. But no, we are chosen by God. Just like Mary, we are special in the eyes of God. We have been elected by him. Second, we are bearers of Christ ourselves. Of a different sort, of course, but similarly, though, as well. Luke 11, verses 27 through 28 say this, As Jesus said these things about unclean spirits, so he just had a teaching about unclean spirits, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you. True statement. But then Jesus said this in response, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Again, as one commentator wrote, Mary heard God's word and kept it, and so she is blessed. She kept God's truth in her mind, a nobler thing than carrying his body in her womb. The truth and the body were both Christ. He was kept in Mary's mind insofar as he is truth. He was carried in her womb insofar as he is man. But what is kept in the mind, this commentator said, is of a higher order than what is carried in the womb. So when we carry Christ in our mind, right? Jesus himself seems to think, no, it's, it's great, yes, blessed is that womb, but greater is the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. So we are able to bear Christ when we keep him in mind, when we keep the words of truth in our mind. Third, we too are Christ's mother. Matthew twelve forty six through 50. This is one of those moments where the Bible surprised me this week. It often does, but this is one of those verses where I thought, how have I read these before and not seen it? Again, Matthew 12, 46 through 50. While Jesus was still speaking to the people, he had uh, his mother and his brothers uh, stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, so man comes to him and says, your mother, your brothers are outside. And He responds, who is my mother and who are my brothers? I think a lot of us know that part of the passage because that's the other gospels record that as well. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, Jesus said, here are my mother and brothers. And then here's the verse that got me. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and sister. No, my brother and sister and mother. Right? Jesus is not just redefining siblings, but he's redefining, in a sense, parentage. No, those who do the will of my Father in heaven are my brothers and sisters and mothers. So when we do the will of God, in one sense, according to Jesus, we too can become his mother. Brother and sister, yes. Mother in some sense. Right, so yes, Mary is the mother of God. We don't want to diminish that role she plays, right? We don't want to diminish the fact that she carried him in her womb, but yet, but yet Jesus seems to spend some part of his earthly ministry trying to redefine and help people understand that, that no, and I, I, don't, I don't say this to be polemical. I say it because I think this is what the scriptures say, that no, you too, can when you keep me in mind, that's higher than me being born in, from someone's womb. When, when you... Right? When you, when you listen and do what I ask of you, when you do the will of my Father in heaven, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're even my mother. And then lastly, we too are blessed in our belief. So just as Mary was chosen by God, we are chosen by God. Just as Mary was the mother of God and bore him, we too in one sense can become the mother of God, and bear Christ in our minds. And, and, and the way in which all of this grew out of Mary's deep belief that Jesus was the promised Messiah, we too are blessed in our belief. John 20, 29, Jesus said to Thomas, whose feast we just celebrated on Friday, Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? And by the way, let me just pause and say, I, I can't imagine Thomas, the look on Thomas' face at that moment thinking probably, like, yeah, I think that is kind of why I did, because, like, I put my fingers in your wounds. Jesus then goes on to say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So we, too, are blessed in our belief, and in one sense, according to Jesus talking to Thomas, I mean, our belief's not greater than Mary's, that's not the point, but, but, but like, You know, blessed are those, and the phrase, the language there, blessed again, it's very Marian-like language, or at least it's God-like language in reference to Mary. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So the point of all this is to say, like, Mary is she who was chosen by God to bear God, to, to give birth to God, to be the mother of God, all born out of her deep belief. And we, like Mary, are God's chosen people, that we get to bear God in our minds, so much so that when we bear God in our Jesus in our minds and do the will of his Father, that we become his brothers and sisters, even his mother. And we are blessed when we do this out of our belief, which is not by sight, but by faith. So Mary is our great example. We should look to her as our example. And that is a great reason to think about her often, to reflect upon her frequently, to give her all the esteem that she is due, yet at the same time, not to get lost in our admiration of her, that we diminish the fact that we too can be Mary, that we too are Marian and in the way in which we relate to God. So let us leave here tonight in light of this treasuring these things in our heart and thinking about the mother of God while we await the coming of her son, our brother, and our friend Jesus. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.